It's Bigfoot Collectors Club with Bryce and Michael. <laughs> I know a ghost story or two. Let's do this. <laughs> everybody welcome back to another episode of bigfoot collectors club the show where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal history and share stories of high strangeness i am your host michael mcmillan with me always is your other host bryce johnson and super producer riley bray oh gosh guys guess what before we start the show i want to have a new segment called corrections club oh that sounds like fun I don't I don't know why this is bothering me, but um I think it's because we all live in a microcosm now. But um last week during Patreon shoutouts, I really stumbled over somebody's name. And that person is Santander Mabasi. And I just want to say sorry I fucked your name up so bad. I went back and looked at the list and realized that I had added like three extra syllables because of a typo. <laughs> and uh, I just felt bad. I think he deserves a proper shout out and a thank you for being a, a new patron. So thank you, Santander. Um, all right, that's it. That's it for Corrections Cor- Club. Unless, um, Bryce, do you have any mistakes you want to admit? There's too many to, to do on this one <laughs> podcast, bro. Fair enough. Great new segment. Great new segment. Okay, guys, that's we got that out of the way. I want to bring in today's guest because she is one of my favorite people that I barely know. Uh, she is an actor who's appeared in such programs as Comedy Bang Bang and as a voice on the regular show. She's also the co-host of the brand new podcast, Stay F Homekins, which is all about chilling at home during quarantine time with her husband, Paul F. Tompkins. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show. Janie Haddad Tompkins. Hi, thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Janie, how are you? I'm well. I can't believe you. That was such a nice introduction. I I feel like I should be on your podcast every day just for like, you know, mental health. Sure. (laughs) Well, we'd we'd love it if you joined us every time. And also, I'm trying to nail that intro because I want to avoid a future corrections club i also <laughs> really appreciated the way that you pronounced my name which is how i pronounce my name and you know that should not go unnoticed oh fantastic i mean i think be- i learned it from you so what yeah? do people what do people say <laughs> how do people say it incorrectly they like to say um janie Haddad oh. tompkins <laughs> and i say janie Haddad tompkins yeah. just the way that you say it because i was born here in america and oh, congratulations. Thank you. You must feel very <laughs> thank privileged. You. I feel so privileged. And, you know, I just, the way things are going now, just like, you know, total bragging rights. Around I mean, we've all hit the jackpot. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like our healthcare is, you know, for everybody and all that. So I, I yeah. feel, I feel a new segment called Apology Club coming up <laughs> um, for our listeners Too many next segments. week's episode. <laughs> anyway yeah so i just like to say it real hick like that and i'm glad that you did too <laughs> where's the name where does haddad come from what's what lineage is that the proper uh, well, yeah. i don't know i'm uh i'm lebanese it's an arabic name it means very um <laughs> means uh very excitingly smith oh <laughs> and it's an incredibly common arabic name I mean, I guess they have blacksmiths uh, yes. too. That in makes other, sense. In other places, yeah, in other cultures, in other places. <laughs> yes, yes. You learn something every day. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's just the Americanization version. I anyway, that's enough. I mean, guys, 
I'm sorry. I'm already boring your podcast. No, <laughs> I have a big smile on my face. Um, all right. We want to get into everything about Janie. But before we do that, Bryce, you brought in a little show and tell today for us, didn't you? Yeah, I, I sent you guys some uh, some email photos of a, of a UFO I captured on April 30th. It's really exciting stuff. Mm. All right, listeners, go to the Instagram right now, scroll over, and you will see those photos at Bigfoot Collectors Club at uh, on Instagram. So, what are we looking at here, Bryce? Tell us the All story. Right, so, th- this was really crazy, right? So, I was I was freshening up my backyard, and I pulled out the old hammock once again, and and my wife and daughter were out there. My wife's laying in it, and I just and I got this feeling as she was laying in. It, I was like, oh my god, it's like the perfect night to spot a UFO. Uh, I should be laying on the hammock. I remember that was my thought. And then like literally two, three minutes later, I look up in the sky, as I often do, and I see this like strange black dot. And it's just sort of like, it's just sort of lounging in the sky. And I'm like, and I'm immediately fixed on it. I'm like, oh my God, what is this thing? And, um, and I have my iPhone and I'm like, all right, well, let me take a picture with my iPhone, which is the picture you guys saw. Mm-hmm. And, um, <clears throat> and then I was like, oh my God, I want to go get my long photo, my my uh, my good camera with the long photo lens. I want to take a picture of it. But I had the feeling, I was like, if I run inside the house and grab my camera, it's going to be gone because this has happened before. <laughs> and I was like, and I wanted to tell like my daughter and my wife to like, hey, guys, keep your eye on this UFO while I go get my camera. But I knew they would laugh at me, which they did <laughs> later on anyway. And so I should have just asked them. And so I rush in and I go grab my camera. Actually, I had to ask my wife. I was like, Dawn, where, where, where's my camera again? She's like, where it always is. Why? Do you see a UFO or something? And I was like, yes, I'll be right back. <laughs> and I go get it, and I come back out, and it's fucking gone. And I was so, like, I was so mad. I was like, dang, I should have had, like, Charlie, my daughter, at least keep an eye on it. Because it wasn't moving. It was just it was just sort of hanging in the sky. Um, uh, and then I was really Janie- disappointed. Just so you, just for a little background, um, Bryce's backyard is a source of much mystery and danger. Um, <laughs> oh as listeners of our show know, he's had a life-threatening accident back there uh, uh-huh. that debilitated uh-huh. him for months. He's yes. uh, yeah. He once befriended a family of squirrels that he telepathically communicated with, as listeners <laughs> of the other side or <laughs> Patreon page know. What's wrong with uh, that? I'm not. I am not criticizing. I'm saying that Bryce's backyard is a pocket dimension all all on its own. So (laughs) it sounds like the Bryce Muta triangle to me. Yeah. (laughs) New term. Um, So Bryce, what was this object doing? And why do you think it's a UFO and not a balloon? Well, I think it's a UFO because I got that that feeling to look up in the sky, like this sort of internal mess, like this internal messaging, like look up now's the good time to spot a UFO. And when you zoom in, Michael, which you did as soon as I sent it to you, cause I was so disappointed. I was like, damn, it's gone. And Charlie and Don were laughing at me as they should. But I was like, I got to text Michael. He'll appreciate this. And then Michael sent it back, zoomed in. And it looks like a tetrahedron, uh, which is a, which is, a very common shape and sort of esoteric in UFO culture. It's a, uh, you know, um, it's the shape of the, something they call like a Merkaba or a light vehicle. But I was like very intrigued by the, the closer up image. It anyway, is kind of a strange shape when you zoom in. Yeah. So you guys are obviously convinced now that you've seen the photo as well. So hundred <laughs> percent. 
hundred percent blurry checks out. <laughs> I have a question. Was there any accompanying noise? No, no, no. It was just completely silent. silent. Yeah. And I've, and I've photographed, so I've seen balloons. I'm often looking up at the sky. So I've seen balloons as well and I'll photograph them and I'll zoom in on those with my, you know, with my long lens. And those are pretty easy mm-hmm. to make out as balloons, which is really why I wanted to get this on, on my long lens because balloons usually sort of um, sift through the air. They sort of like move lazily through the air. You know, this mm-hmm. one was just completely stationary, like a black dot in the sky. And I've seen those like white dots and black dots in the sky too, that sort of lob around. And, and uh, anyway, I don't know. I think I Bryce, got you now. I want you to create like a relaxation podcast called Bryce's balloons. And you just describe <laughs> all the different balloons you've seen and how they <laughs> float through the air. I mean, uh, the one good. thing, also, like during quarantine, who's got balloons? Why would there yeah. be balloons anyway? Like, yeah. who honestly is 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 blowing up and ha- holding a balloon to let go of? Well, the most the, the craziest thing was was that 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 inner sense to like, oh my god, it would be the perfect time to spot a UFO laying in that hammock. I, it was like a loud and clear message I I got in my head, and then literally two minutes later, I look up and I see that. Big things are happening for us. Here I feel like that's Electric the strongest Club. evidence is that yeah. you had that that like intuition. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's that's a kind of common thing too. When when people spot these UFOs, there's sort of sometimes a, a transmission of messaging taking place. Oh God, I sound crazy. <laughs> but no, yeah. keep going. The only yeah. way out is through Bryce. <laughs> I swear to God, though, you guys are onto something about my backyard. It really is the place of a lot of strange happenings. Well, it's thank great. you for sharing those photos. I think it's pretty exciting. I'm on your side on this one. It's not like the thing we saw at Contact in the Desert, which I think was definitely a balloon. This this that this was a balloon. Yeah. This has a little <laughs> bit more of a, a strange craft shape to it. So I say keep your eyes on the sky, Bryce. Yay. Yeah. Now that you broke out that hammock too, just you know, a little little night stargazing. It oh, sounds I will. Uh, sounds in order. Done. Done. Janie. Yes. We like to ask all of our guests, what is your personal paranormal history? Where did you grow up? What were you into as a kid? What scares you? What captures your imagination? What do you believe in? And also, have you ever experienced something that you cannot explain? Wow. Um, Okay. So I was born in West Virginia, but I grew up in South Carolina um, on the uh, in Charleston on a little barrier island that you like to call 80s island <laughs> and um yes <laughs> yeah and Janie grew up on an awesome island that when i've heard stories about it it just sounds like for a kid who grew up in kansas where there wasn't a lot of water around it sounded like a wonderful place to live in the 80s so i always refer to it as 80s island oh no way yes but um so in charleston is a very historical city so there i would say like the belief in ghosts in the past and kind of like that kind of vibe felt acceptable Mm -hmm. there Mm. uh because it's all historically preserved like if you were if you were to be in downtown charleston like there are certain streets that look like it could be like the 1800s you know um but uh i had sort of like a um I used to think that I used to believe in ghosts also because I was raised Catholic. 
So I went to Catholic school for many years. And the Holy like, Ghost, the yeah. most they, like, popular ghost of all. Yeah. They basically tell you that like there are ghosts and that uh like that's part of religion and that also um like you're going to be possessed by like a de- the devil like in the exorcist even mm-hmm. if you're a good person and just a child. <laughs> If you're just like a young female child, good person, like a devil can take host of your body. The devil likes the most innocent victims of all. Yeah, that's why it's important to attend uh, Sunday school youth group, How to Avoid Possession. Those are are key groups you don't want to miss out on. You can't sleep in on that one. That is (laughs) like, (laughs) that's like, so like I definitely grew up like frightened all the time of like the supernatural and you know like we'd play with like Ouija boards and stuff and I don't know I think I was just like an easy target I was the youngest and uh I I don't know like I just was kind of like gullible about it and um but now as a grown adult I don't believe so much in ghosts and the supernatural um However, I do believe there is life on other <laughs> other planets yeah. because like no one has proven me otherwise. And why wouldn't there be like to think that there is not life on other planets feels narcissistic. <laughs> it absolutely does. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it, it's a mathematical certainty almost at this point. Um, and I don't know what that means or anything or, but, um, I have, um, I do feel like I saw a flying object alone one night and uh, it was unexplainable at the time. Um, It was on, I was driving to 80s Island. I was uh, in my 1980s Honda Civic that my brother (laughs) left me when he went to college and I was driving over the drawbridge. It was dark at night. There are no other cars on the road. It was like a week night, like a school night. And the particular drawbridge that goes to 80s Island is not very high. I mean, it's high enough for boats to clear under it, but it's a small bridge. It's not like a huge mm-hmm. like expansion bridge or something. And as I was driving over the bridge, there was a flying object to my left that felt like it was almost following me. Huh. And it had lights on the side, like white lights on the side. And um, it just was too, it felt like the altitude was too low for it to be like something, you know, legit. Like a conventional (laughs) aircraft. Yeah. Was was it making any noise or? Well, I, I, I had the windows up and like the radio or my, you know, Depeche mode was playing. Depeche mode yeah. was blasting. Of course, yeah. of course. It's 80s <laughs> Island. We get it. Yes. But I felt like a chill because it wasn't like I spotted something. It was almost like we spotted one another. Like I felt spotted. Yes. The, oh, dude, that's exactly what I'm talking so about. So I tried to kind of follow it because like the hair on my arms raised like it wasn't like oh that's a strange thing i wonder if that's a weird weather balloon and this is like pre-drones i don't know you know uh 
but it was like a small craft, like, like it was like in between the size of like a helicopter and like a large drone. It was like a medium size. What did you say? It's about thing. the size of a car. Yes. Like wow. a, about the size of like a comp. I don't know. Is that like a weather balloon? And can they follow you? <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not leading you down any, I'm just trying to get a good, good guesstimate of the size of this thing. What was the shape of it? Can you recall? Um, it felt like it kind of looked like the shape of the blurry picture <laughs> that Bryce just sent. Like a yes. or like a like um you know like it didn't have like it felt like yeah, like like a blob almost. Like a blob. Not like a traditional flying saucer no, with like, like a, a heli- dome on top of it. Exactly. No, not like that. And it didn't have like it wasn't like a helicopter that has like a tail or anything like that. And it didn't mm. have wings or anything. It was just like a floating um kind of vessel that's and it that's so and it felt floaty it felt floaty like it didn't feel like it was like powering through the air like it felt floaty anyway it was an it, it was like one of those moments where it was like no one is going to understand this brief experience that i had or believe it no one else is around it's dark i'm alone uh, I couldn't really follow it because it went off into like oblivion. Like I, you <laughs> wow. like I followed it somewhat, you know, and then it went past where I could drive, you know. You made it sound like the UFO is having an existential crisis. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe well, tw- it was, twenty yeah. years later, I would understand, Jane. You've got to come to my backyard. I mean, I, I can't, I can't imagine your property values. I mean, they must be like amazing. Like you've got like a lot going on that offer there. You know, it's so strange though. All kidding aside, it sounds like you definitely might've seen something anomalous. That's very, you know what I'm intrigued by is sort of that, that strange and what we just talked about that sort of transmission of messaging where it's like, you get the feeling that this thing is observing you, you know, you, there's like an interrelation. There's a there's a play at hand. It's very strange. Yeah, it feels like there's a, um like an an interaction taking place. Yeah, that's wild. I don't know if that's something that you can just project because you want to believe, or your your mind goes mm. a certain place because you can't explain. You know, perhaps. Well, there's a <clears throat> there's a big theory, and this has been a recurring topic on the show lately. Where you know, there's a theory that that the that the UFOs, that this stuff that we're dealing with, is actually not necessarily some nuts and bolt craft that comes from another planet, but it's part of a larger, strange phenomenon that is dependent upon the user's consciousness, and mm-hmm. that there seems to be whatever this phenomenon is is engaged with whoever is witnessing it as almost they're <coughs> forming some sort of symbiotic bond to create the event you know and mm-hmm. and sometimes that feels like if that makes sense, but sometimes that sounds like to me sometimes I struggle with that because you could that theory is sort of a backdoor for anyone to get out of an explanation or a rational explanation of anything. It's sort mm-hmm. of a justification of things are just weird, yeah. but it might just be that things are just weird, you know, and right. that whatever this thing is really is about you and it uh, bonding and forming this uh, encounter for, for well, what here- purpose we don't know. And here's a big misconception, and it's a great segue into a couple tweets 
uh, made by Neil deGrasse Tyson. But a lot of people think that. <laughs> How mad are you, Neil deGrasse Tyson? I'm not you mad. tweeted. Listen, you I- tweeted something like, like I feel like you tweeted at him, "Stay in your lane, bruh." Like no. I feel like you. I read. I read you being very mad at him. I, 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 wasn't, I, I wasn't mad. Listen, I get it. Right? He does. He's he, he's caught in a ex- paradigm. He's in a box. Explain to Janie and our listeners what we're talking about for those. Yeah, who I have to know what he did. Well, sure. So there's this big misconception that just because you see something strange in the sky that it means it's an alien from planet Zeta Reticuli, right? Not the case. (laughs) Absolutely not the case. Just because you see an unidentified, it's right there in the title, flying object, doesn't mean it's an alien from another planet. So I think over the weekend, a couple days ago, Neil Neil deGrasse Tyson decided to sort of troll the entire paranormal community by with a couple different tweets, one directed at UFOs and one directed at Bigfoot. The first one he put about uh, UFOs. He's coming for you, Bryce. (laughs) He's coming for me, man. Uh, He tweeted, billions and billions of full-color, high-resolution images and videos are uploaded to the internet every day. If your best evidence for aliens visiting from another galaxy is monochromatic, low-resolution, fuzzy video taken by the U.S. Navy, then there's more work to be done here. And he's referring to the famous uh, Tic Tac uh, UFO video released by uh, the Pentagon and who just confirmed that it was uh, an unidentified, which is big in the UFO news. And then he also uh, tweeted about Bigfoot. More photos are taken each day and posted to the internet than were taken during the first 100 years of photography. And the best image of Bigfoot is from 50 years ago or fuzzy in the brush. And uh, and, he, and he has a picture of the, the famous Gimlin footage. But it's like, man, you know, and that's why I get sort of perturbed at the at, uh, you know, not the scientific community in general, but reductionists, materialists who just sort of love to like. You know, I can promise you Neil deGrasse Tyson has never read a book on UFOs or has never talked to an eyewitness who's seen Bigfoot. You know, they just love to keep their whole ideology in a box and not look at the data. And when you're a scientist, that's exactly your job is to look at the data. And there is so much data to be looked at uh, in the UFO culture that. You know, for for him to make those statements, yeah, it's a little it's a little annoying. You know, I I appreciate I like the um I like your dramatic reading of his tweets. <laughs> Thank you. Good, good. I like the sort of like negative annoyance that yeah. I feel from like your reading of him because it is like super negative. <laughs> Yeah, it absolutely is. It's like it's like he's denying these fighter pilots who are operating multi-billion dollar nuclear capable high-flying machines. He's denying them and those radar operators what they're actually perceiving with their own eyes and their, you know, high-valued electrical instruments. They're basically, well, he's basically even... calling thousands of people's just liars or Yeah, you know, it, it's like it's me. like it's enough to disagree with something. You don't have to then imply in the way that you're negating something that the people are stupid. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it, can't you just say like, yeah, there are some things that are unexplainable. This is intriguing. I don't believe in UFOs. I'm probably a blah, blah, blah. Well, that's not the role of the of, of the new materialist scientific in the in the 21st century. The role of the scientist <laughs> is to say we have everything understood. You know, there is nothing right. left. There is nothing <laughs> left for us. True. Well, you know, no, I mean, you know, you have. I, mean, the... I know. I think I, I agree with you. I think there is a sense <sighs> <Okay>. of uh, <laughs> a sense of arrogance that Twitter has imbued in people. 
Yeah, it's oh, like well, Twitter. Twitter is definitely full of arrogance. That I can agree with. 100%. <laughs> but no, but no, Riley, you have to admit, like even like the scientists like that, they say, well, we just have a few things left to lock up, and then other than that, the universe has been explained and all understood. Its yeah, yeah, wrong, <laughs> absolutely wrong. We still don't I mean, know I what think... consciousness is. We don't know what the mind is. We don't know what dreams are. It's like wrong. But wrong, I think dude. most astrophysicists would agree with you there. And like, I mean, we don't know what dark matter is, which is the vast majority of the universe. So I think we're still agreeing that we don't we don't know. And you everything. know what makes me think someone is smart is when they admit that there are things that no one knows. Amen. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like when Amen. people are like, no, you're wrong because I know. And here's like, why. Oh. It's like, come on. Yeah. Oh, you're just dumb. Okay, yeah, you're well, just like you you're just told me you're that. you're you're obstinate, and I don't want to engage with you. Yeah. I, I, well, I he did say more. more. He he said more work needs to be done, right? I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, but, was, but maybe it was a little snarky. You know what? More yeah, work you know, needs to, more work needs to be done on his part because although that's a low chromatic, <laughs> although that's a low chromatic video, there's actually high res video that was taken by David Fraber, that U.S. Navy pilot, that has not been released by the government. So while we're looking at the low res imaging, the one that was released, there is alternate videos that have not been released that are are high res so he doesn't know what he's talking about let's be honest this is coming from a man who enjoys ruining star wars for children like he just (laughs) i think he is just kind of playing up his role as a troll i do really think think so so? i do a little bit i think he must gleam a little bit of joy by just starting little fires and watching people yeah yeah yeah. that's what you're saying I mean, I think Bryce for sure. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, (laughs) you know, I I think like I think you're right. I mean, I think the problem is that we're really talking about is that the that that this field carries with it so much stigma that it is difficult for actual scientists who are exploring the world in a very rational way based on information and data and like provable hypothesis whatever you know i am clearly not a scientist okay but i i think that like there's just a history of people getting shunned from the scientific community for even going down this avenue you know it's a taboo and it it shouldn't be and it sucks that he can't it sucks that more scientists can't go it's fascinating they don't have to say, like, these are aliens, like you said. I think that's a very important point. But I think it would be fun if some if some if somebody like Neil deGrasse Tyson would say, isn't it weird that we don't know what this is? What You know what I mean? Just yeah. opening, yeah. opening, because I think you do more good by opening up the minds of imaginations. You know, mm-hmm. you're probably going to get more kids into science if you can use something like the Tic Tac UFO video as a gateway into exploring the universe. Absolutely. Well, it's, a mu- it's a much more appealing way to be and look at the world to have infinite curiosity as opposed to just knowing everything. I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. There's, there's an important part of, uh, of life's vibrancy that comes from, from having a little bit of mystery in your life. And we, and when uh, we try to explain amen. away everything, then it just becomes mundane and, and, 
and low resolution for lack of a better word. And I imagine um, to, to you know to his credit, he must be constantly frustrated with the amount of misinformation and misunderstood con- you know concepts that are out there about the nature of the universe as well, you know, because look. Sure. We got to admit, there's a lot of bullshit out there when it comes to UFOs and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I remember it's like when I worked on this, I worked on a TV show about paramedics. And it was so funny because on the chat boards after the each episode, there would just be all these EMTs that would complain about all the shit we were getting wrong about, <laughs> you know, about the, that life right. and about being emergency responders. And so I think with all this science fiction, there's just got to be stuff that's constantly taking him out of the moment. And he's probably just venting that frustration, you know, but even that said, like, I remember when X-Files was on, I was like a huge fan and I'd watch it like every Sunday with a group of friends and stuff like, where's the fun? Where's the sense of fun? Like, yeah, yeah maybe there are like fun, fun, like science fiction stuff surrounding it, but there's still like unexplainable events that. I don't know. <laughs> it's just know, grumpy. <clears throat> it reminded me a lot of Carl. So famed astrophysicist and scientist Carl Sagan uh, mm-hmm. in, the, in the latter years of his life sort of took on this same role that Neil deGrasse Tyson has seemed to take on of as provocateur and naysayer to anything strange and mysterious. When in the earlier part of Carl Sagan's life, he was very interested in the idea of visitation from other planets and you know, alien entities. In fact, he was involved in, uh, what was that golden disc that we sent up? And, uh, and, uh, I forget, but anyway, the, the golden record. Yeah. Yeah. The golden record. He was very was interested on, uh, Voyager in, too. Yes. He was very interested in, in, in making communications and, and first contact and stuff like that. But, uh, but later in his life, he really sort of turned, turned his, you know, head from all that and just kept to like, um, sort of like, you know, I also think I think one of the really interesting things about the golden record, too, is is that he said that it was as much about trying to communicate with an extraterrestrial as it was to communicate to the people on Earth how you would think about communicating to an extraterrestrial. So it was it was more about putting that idea into people's heads than Mm. because he understood that it's, you know, space is huge and it's probably not going to get seen. But it's that idea getting that idea in everyone else's head of, oh, we're putting something out there how could we communicate with these beings? So it's it's like we've been talking about where he's trying to, it's that sense of wonder, that sense of excitement, that yeah. sense of imagination that yeah. he's stoking there. Keeping and that also like yeah. one, I feel like one argument for life on another planet is that if we on earth found any proof of life somewhere else, we would be like all over raping that planet, like like taking <laughs> right. beings that Strong we found. Word choice. <laughs> I just like the way that we are here, like how humans are. Like we would take whatever living things and bring them back and poke and prod, and it would be like ET. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I couldn't agree more. Well, that might be happening, and today's story of high strangeness might be about that. But we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, more fun. And not boring stuff with Janie Haddad Tompkins. Fuck you, science. (laughs) Here we go again. Janie, I want to go back to something that you said earlier in the show. I'm curious how you went from being 
terrified that the devil was going to possess you <laughs> to not believing in ghosts or the supernatural or paranormal. When did that switch happen for you? Well, that is all very connected to sort of my um, personal religious beliefs, the evolution of my own personal religious beliefs, because um, even though I went to Catholic school for many, many years, neither one of my parents were particularly religious at all. So all of the information that I was learning and, and believing came solely from school and church and like youth group. So um, it was almost, I like mean, sound, between all three of those, it sounds like you were in pretty deep. <laughs> I was all in because it just seemed like that was just the culture of mm-hmm. the, of my school. And, um, and, uh, I had all these adults, you know, telling me and like nuns and priests and stuff telling me things. And, um, it was almost like an indoctrination of sorts. And then as I got older and became like a tween and teen, And I would come home and kind of spout certain things that I'd learned to my mom and my stepdad. And, um, and they would sort of challenge those beliefs. Like, you know, like I'd come home and I'd be like, oh my gosh, like, did you know, like if you're a woman and you get an abortion, like you're going to hell because you (laughs) murdered, um, like a human being person. And they, and they would be like, well, it's not so simple. And some people believe this and that's not necessary, you know, (laughs) like all this stuff. And I'd be like, what, you know? And then as I became older, like I was exposed to more people that sort of came up in different uh, religious environments, you know, like had like Jewish friends or whatever, you know. And so I started to really understand that like the literalness of of religion isn't so literal, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I, and then when I, I went to that, college, oh. like I took this. I took this course called Faith Versus Reason, and it kind of blew my mind. And anyway, Sorry. just like I had like a gradual coming of age acceptance that everything I had been told might not be so literal. Yeah. Um, yeah, you dropped out just briefly there for a second. You did what in college? You took what in college? A class, I assume? Oh, Maybe I a t- hit I on a bong? I took this um, course. Oh yeah, it might be a bum. Okay, uh, I took this when I was a freshman or sophomore in college. I took this course called Faith versus Reason, and it blew my mind. Um, mm. And it was just like a fun elective class. And uh, can you guys still hear me? I hope yeah, 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 yeah. Um, we're listening. Okay, my my computer went to sleep for a, just a brief moment, and I was like, oh no. Um, I was yeah, so I took. Co- oh. <laughs> Yeah, I just took this course and like it began, uh, it just began like I, you know, like I was educated liberal arts. And and so I started on this like critical thinking journey. It's I was it's just going to under- say that. Oh, I, I was just going to say, you know, I think that's so important to like, you know, get your paradigm question. And it's so important for what you just said, for for the ability to critically think. You know, I experienced a lot of that myself like i i went to a a a lutheran school and then my dad was a complete atheist so he would sort of deconstruct everything i was learning in that school which was pretty funny but it also makes me laugh at what you were saying earlier it's funny how you know i'm a parent with two kids who go to a private school because our public school system uh in my area is is pretty crappy and but it's funny how we like bargain with them like yeah it's a better school but they're gonna they're gonna kind of indoctrinate them a little bit yeah. but we can deal with that <laughs> later you know it's a I it's swear a strange that's bargain like, 
<laughs> the same thing that my parents must have gone through because I was not allowed to go to public school, even though I begged. <laughs> yeah. It's my understanding too, that this, the literalism that's come, you know, that's like pretty dominant in religion right now. Like it's in the Bible. If it's in the Bible, it's, it's the truth, you know, was um, really kind of came about more recently in our history. Like it was around the turn of the century when science and the industrial revolution were just starting to suddenly explain so many things that were left up to sort of religious um, questions that, that um, the religious, you know, religion took this sort of started to take a really hard line approach to everything because yeah. in sort of an act of self-preservation. And now here we are, you know? Yeah. They dug yeah. in their heels pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that really did inform sort of my like, Oh, our ghost real are, you know, because I actually had an experience where I thought I saw a ghost. Ooh, um, well, let's hear that. <laughs> I was uh I was 18 and I was dating this guy. Uh we had this very intense like senior year relationship. I, I was like 17 or I guess. And um we had gone uh to Columbia, which is like two hours away, to see a concert. So we were spending the night in this Marriott or something. Do you remember and the concert? It might have been Jackson Brown. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. Cool. And um, and we were in a, the bar, the hotel bar. And in the hotel bar was this woman. She was sitting at the at the bar and she kind of looked like, you know, like she had been like rode hard and put away wet a little bit. You know, like she was like. <laughs> You know, I she had that. like kind of like she was drinking her drink alone, but she, for some reason, she was staring at me, like fascinated by me, and it was unsettling. And uh, and of course, we're like underage and like trying to order, you know, beer at this bar or what you know what I mean. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so I'm like self conscious all over the place anyway. So. Um, we go to our room, which is very spicy because we're like high school seniors. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so far, every element of the story would have terrified me as a high schooler. <laughs> <laughs> underage, like, underage drinking, possible ghosts, intimacy, all these I things are like, a horror story like for me. That I acted like a 40 year old when I was 16. <laughs> like I was like, I do everything by myself. Like every, it, it was just like, yeah, whatever. So um so for some reason we were having like an emotional night. I don't know what, like probably having an argument or something and we go to sleep and then in the middle of the night from a dead sleep, I'm like lying on my stomach and my face is facing out like toward the window. I can tell where I am and everything in the, in the room. I wake up and I see a woman standing next to my head. Oh my God. In, in the room. And I like, then I like became like awakened, like from a deep sleep. And now, now I can say like, maybe it was a night terror or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Right. But I literally like was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. And like, I woke up, uh, I woke JD up and I was like, Oh my God, I just saw that woman. And it was the, like, it was the woman in the bar, but she was different, but I knew it was her somehow. And like, like, I just felt like penetrated by this creepy presence mm. of, 
this woman and, uh, and I was so shaken and unsettled. Like he could not calm me down that I made us drive home at four in the, in the morning. Oh wow. my God. Like that's, I could not that's be dream. in that room anymore. I couldn't be in the room anymore. So when wow. you look back on that now, what do you think? I think a night terror because mm. I've, cause I have since met people who have talked about being the victim of night terrors as a sleep disorder. And mm. when they describe sort of what they experienced. Oh no. I, uh, did you guys experience that dropout just now or was that just no. me? No, we were no, hearing I didn't. all good. Can you just start from I had since just so I make sure I got that on the redundant recording? Cause I think we're having an issue. Oh yeah. Um, I have since the reason I, I don't believe in maybe that being a paranormal experience as much anymore is because in, in, in the meantime, I have met and encountered people who actually do suffer from night terrors as a sleep disorder. And when they describe their experience of, of night terrors, it feels almost like a supernatural experience. Yeah. Yeah, so in my sure. mind, I, mean, I, I, I look back that. on that and I was like, oh, maybe, but, but this is not something I experienced regularly or had experienced prior to that. You know what I'm thinking, Bryce? What? Psychic vampire. Definitely psychic vampire. The woman vampire. in the bar was, <laughs> was, was psychically uh, attacking you in your sleep. She was There's no latching doubt about onto it. you. Yeah, the old Pagus, really? the old Pagus <laughs> no at the bar for sure. Yeah, she like, was like there. There was definitely like I was being being targeted by her. Like I I knew it because I was sitting there and she was staring at me. And then in my mind, I'm like, well, we're trying to order. Out, you know, we're too young to be in this hotel bar that's in the center of the lobby. You know, she's feeding on the emotional night that you described, Janie. I'm telling you, get your brain examined. For fang okay. marks. <laughs> that, I don't know about psychic vampires, but now I'm gonna like go on a Google deep dive because maybe that was something. There's something to that. I mean, it does well, sound. I hope like, I don't uh, get a call from your husband <laughs> saying that you've <laughs> gone uh, a wall. I mean, you've never had a night terror since or before, right? Yeah. That was sort of a one-off incident. No. And in you know, it yes. just leaving a leaving yes. a motel when you're when you're that young when you when it's so hard to get a, a, a motel is like that's extreme so it <laughs> obviously had it obviously had a traumatic experience on you one so much so that made you get your boyfriend up and be like we've got to go now so i don't know yeah. that's pretty strange and i don't think i'm like a drama queen normally i mean i might have been at 16 or 17 just because you know i was a teenager yeah, yeah. But why would didn't I want to drive home in the middle of the night? I mean, that's like tired. Did he try to calm and you down? And it's just a like, total babe, bummer. Babe, come on, <laughs> right? just relax. Just come on. I'm all I want to sleep in. <laughs> Did he try to convince you to stay? I I don't remember the details, but in my in my memory, I think he got spooked just as much as I did because mm. of how like authentically upset i was like it was you know what i'm saying like right. i think like he it freaked him out just as much hmm. wow. i think he wanted to stay in the hotel because who wants to drive back but uh, on the other hand it, like when we tried to get back in bed and go to sleep with the lights on it was like this isn't gonna happen like i can tell like i have to get out of this room wow. something's wrong here 
Cockblocked so- by a psychic <laughs> vampire. Yeah, there you go. There's the title of this show. You guys, you guys, you don't have to say you have a headache. You can pretend that <laughs> that somebody targeted you in a public space and then appeared in the uh, middle of the night. <laughs> I think this is a good time to play a game that we love to play with all of our guests. Janie, I'm going to go down a rapid fire list of phenomenon. <laughs> and if you're open to it, you're going to say, believe it. If you're not open to it, you're going to say bullshit. This is a game that we like to call bullshit or believe it. <laughs> all right. Janie had a Tompkins on yep. your mark. Okay. Get set. <laughs> Ghosts. Bullshit. UFOs. Believe it. Bigfoot. Bullshit. Little gray aliens. Believe it. Out of body experiences. Believe it. Demonic possession. Bullshit. (laughs) You've overcome your trials. Uh, The Bermuda Triangle. Believe it. The Bryce Muda Triangle. Oh, definitely believe it. There's Thank proof you. in my inbox. <laughs> Alien abductions. Uh, believe it. Loch Ness monster. Bullshit. Time travel. Bullshit. Mothman. Believe it. <laughs> Reincarnation. Bullshit. ESP. Believe it. Haunted houses. Believe it. The Illuminati. Uh, I'm not sure what that is. I'm just going to call bullshit. <laughs> There's a face on Mars. Oh, bullshit. Skunk ape. Uh, I don't know what that is, but it sounds Whoa. like bullshit. It sounds you've like just bullshit. Un- <laughs> you've just unlocked a secret game. We'll get to that in a moment. Oh, the game. Get ready, Bryce. <laughs> All right. Heaven. Uh, bullshit. Hell. Uh, believe it. Sea serpents. Believe it. Poltergeists. Bullshit. Chupacabra. Bullshit. Atlantis. Uh, believe it. Life on other planets. Believe it. Parallel dimensions. Bullshit. The apocalypse. <laughs> We're living it. <laughs> Life after death. Uh, Bullshit. Okay, Janie, you played Bullshit or Believe It. You kind of came out pretty even on that one. I know. I'm all over the map because I believe in haunted houses, but not ghosts. But I think that's an energy thing. My my favorite one was demonic possession. Like you didn't want to like upset any, (laughs) any entities. You're like, ah, (laughs) or nuns. (laughs) Right. Right. But then I know the nun, the nuns could come after me, but like, like sometimes I'm like, kind of like, well, I feel like demonic possession is like some kind of like metaphor for like personality disorders and they didn't have the language, you know, so, which I believe now. So I don't know. All right, Janie, as I said, you unlocked a secret game with your answer about Skunk Ape. Bryce, I hope you you are uh, already emailing pictures to Janie because this is a game (laughs) called 60 Uh -uh. Seconds to Sell Skunk Ape. Do I have to look at my inbox? Yeah. Maybe no, it's it's no. all on it's all dependent on Bryce. So Bryce oh, okay. has sixty seconds. I'm going to start the timer to convince you that Skunk Ape is real. Bryce, are you ready? I guess so. I'll do my best. I mean, this is, I mean, gonna this be is tough the first time we believe in Bigfoot either. This in so quarantine. Here we go. Okay, on your mark, get set. Skunk Ape. 
Okay, so Skunk Ape, if you have a, a search bar, just Google Skunk <laughs> Ape and then hit images. You're going to find okay. two photos. Now, here's the story. In Florida, I believe near around Sarasota, an old lady, uh, she had a nice backyard who her grand, grandkids used to visit. And she, she saw this creature taking her apples. So one night she goes out with a camera. It was completely dark. And she said she took two shots and the flash went off. And that's the two pictures that you'll see in your Google bar. And 30 seconds left. Skunk ape. It's really like the Southern Bigfoot. And people report seeing them in the swamps and in all different kinds of places down in the South. And uh, and anyway, she said in her letter, uh, which she signed anonymous to the sheriff's department, she said on the second picture, it started to lean up. It started to stand up. And you can actually see in the two different photos. Ten seconds. Uh, a, a different body posture. And you can see the fangs and the reflection in the, uh-huh. in the, in Five, the eyes. Four, it's definitely a three, real creature. You two, should believe in skunk ape. One. The end. Okay, Janie, do you believe in Skunk Ape? Yes. Great, Great job, Bryce. Right. You sold Skunk Ape yeah. in, in, in 60 seconds. Congratulations. Oh, oh, thank you. But okay. I oh, just yes. assume it's like a real animal of sorts. Fantastic. That's, that, is, that is an explanation for Skunk Ape that we accept. <laughs> you know, the first sentence in her letter was, is somebody missing an orangutan? But there are no orangutans in Florida. It's a very strange-looking orangutan if it, it's like more like a genetically deformed something. Well, well if the Tiger King taught us anything, it's that the people have a lot of animals they should not own. Um, we're going to take a break. When we come back, it's time for this week's story of high strangeness with Janie Headed Tompkins. All right, it's time for this week's story of high strangeness, and it's my turn this episode. And I'll tell you what, I know that I knew that Janie was into UFOs, so I picked a UFO-based story, but I honestly could not have predicted, much like the subject of today's story, just uh, how on topic and how uh, uh, this, this story is based on everything that we've been talking about today. Great. So... Um, and Bryce, I am very interested to, to find out if you have ever heard about this story, because I had not. Um, I was I went about a search to find a UFO story that I hadn't heard about. And sometimes the best places to look are from other countries. And this is the story of the alien of Ilkley Moor. On the foggy morning of December 1st, 1987, a retired policeman from Yorkshire, UK, Philip Spencer, grabbed his camera on the way out the door to visit his father-in-law. Spencer's path would lead him across the fabled Ilkley Moor, an area of Yorkshire well-known for spooky activity. The moor is home to numerous stone carvings dating back as far as the Neolithic Age, bearing names like the Badger Stone, the Neb Stone, St. Margaret's Stones, and the swastika stone, as well as a small Ooh. stone circle referred to as the Twelve Apostles. Yeah, the swastika stone is this old Neolithic carving, um, and it's going way, way back to when the swastika didn't mean what it yeah. means today. Right. Um, it's more of a spiral formation. It's very cool looking, and I suggest that uh, anyone listening to the story, if you have a computer handy, to to uh, look up Ilkley Moore and some of these photos of these um of these uh, stone stone structures and uh, stone carvings are pretty cool. That stone needs a PR rebrand. Yeah, yeah definitely. Ilkley Moor <laughs> was also well known for its mystery lights, strange lights that danced about in the fog at night and during the wee hours of the morning. 
Perhaps they were somehow related to activity at two nearby aviation facilities, Menwith Hill Military Base and Leeds Bradford Airport. But the Moore's reputation for being the place where strange things happened was undeniable. A saying that surfaced multiple times while researching this topic online goes, The Ilkley Moor can scare you to death during daylight, and at night it's even worse. Mm. So on that December morning, Spencer loaded highly rated ASA film into his camera, which would compensate for the low light of the moor, hoping to capture a few images of these strange lights, which had recently been active in his area. He never could have predicted what he'd actually end up capturing, or being captured himself. The majority of what I'm about to tell you comes from an article off UFOcasebook.com by BJ Booth titled The Ilkley Moor Alien, which I'll include a link to in our show notes. Spencer made his way across the misty moorlands, carrying with him a compass to help him navigate his way through the terrain. And he noticed something moving up ahead, ahead of him on a slope. He would later go on to describe it as a blue-green creature, about three to four feet high, with large pointed ears and dark eyes. The entity had no nose and only a slit for a mouth, calling to mind the similar, similar descriptions of the famous alien greys. Spencer watched the creature shuffle along the moor on funny, V-shaped feet, as if both feet were composed of two large toes. Makes me think of the Ninja Turtles. It had skinny arms and three sausage-like fingers on both hands, which Spencer claimed were large, much bigger than his own. The creature turned to Spencer. The former police officer swiftly lifted his camera to his eye and snapped a photo. The entity waved at him as if to say, don't come, go back. And then it began to run. And Spencer instinctively gave chase. Spencer said that he followed the creature momentarily until it disappeared from view around a corner. And then moments later, a large silver craft with a whitish dome rose from the moor. Atop the dome, atop the dome was what he described as a white square. And that'll come into play in a moment. Philip gawked as the craft took off and vanished into the sky. Spencer decided to walk to the nearest village to gather his wits. During his 30-minute walk north, he noticed that his compass was now pointing south. Something had caused the compass to reverse polarity. When he arrived at the village, the town clock said it was 10 a.m., an hour ahead of Spencer's own watch. Oh, no. He he took the film from his camera to one hour fo- a one-hour photo kiosk, or the British equivalent, and after waiting a while, probably an hour, there it was. The picture featuring the alien had developed. Mm. Now, this is the part where I want everybody listening to go to Instagram, Bigfoot Collectors Club, add Bigfoot Collectors Club, and scroll through these photos. And guys, you have them in your inbox right now. Yeah. So, um, Can we look now? The- yeah, take a look now. So the okay. the photo is the faded color image that um, there's a circle that is showing the oh. creature in question. And then I have added a red arrow pointing to an object in the sky. Okay. So if you take a look at this, you can see the slope and the pathway. Yeah. And very clearly, now whether it's a real entity or not, there is a bipedal being uh, leaning against what looks to be some sort of rock. And there's a second photo in there that is um, sort of doctored, so it will 
make the image of the alien uh, more apparent. Yeah. yeah. So you see this. It looks, you know, it looks like what you picture an alien looking. It's very E.T., very alien gray looking. I was shocked mm-hmm. that I had never come across this story before. This is uh-huh. wild. Really yeah. weird stuff. And then if you look into the sky, there is, again, kind of like Bryce's photo. If you zoom in, there is clearly some type of object hovering over the horizon that some people claim is a white square that uh, looks similar to what... Um, Philip Spencer described being on top of the dome of the craft. So is it possible? And he didn't notice this until much later. Is it possible that he not only captured an image of an alien, but as but of the craft itself? Yes. Dude, I was going to say, <laughs> the, the, these white, this white dot looks almost exactly like the type of white dots I would see in the sky. I know. I'm not even it's kidding. all lining up, dude. It's very strange. Huh. So Spencer knew he had something special. So he contacted ufologist Peter Howe, who took Spencer's insane story with a healthy dose of salt. Howe had the photograph analyzed by a number of experts. First, by a wildlife photography expert who determined that the creature in the photo was not an animal of any known kind. And it could not be determined if the figure was moving or if it was static. The Spencer photo was then sent to Kodak Laboratories in Hemel Hempstead, which uh, you might remember from the uh, Solway Firth Spaceman. There it was determined that the entity, or whatever they were looking at, was in the original photo and not superimposed. So whatever it was, was in the negative. Hmm. Finally, the photo ended up in the hands of Dr. Bruce Maccabee, optical physicist with the United States Navy. Uh, And he took it and examined it under computer analysis. And he stated that the slow film speed used for the low light conditions made the film too grainy for proper testing. I had great hopes that this case would prove definitive. Sadly, circumstances prevent it from being so, Maccabee stated. Bruce Maccabee. How (laughs) strong? Yeah, Bruce Maccabee. (laughs) Yeah, I liked your gruffness, yeah. How struggled with one major inconsistency with the photo. While investigating Spencer's story, Howe went out to Ilkleymore and to the location where Spencer claimed that he made contact with the strange being. Everything about the location lined up. He was even able to look at the surrounding area and determine that the object in the photo would have been as uh, about four feet tall when compared to the natural landscape, as Spencer described. But the lighting conditions of Spencer's picture didn't seem to line up with the time of morning when this all supposedly took place. This wasn't the end of the story. After experiencing a series of strange dreams involving starry skies and unable to account for the missing hour he experienced, Spencer underwent hypnotic regressive therapy under Dr. Jim Singleton on March 16, 1988. Also present at the session were Howe and Matthew Hill, a journalist friend of Howe, who was there to operate three tape recorders. During the session, Spencer described being enveloped by light and taken into the craft, where he was then put on a table and examined by the creatures. Mm. He remembered peering out a window and looking at Earth from outer space. He recalled being led down a corridor where two flat video screens played ominous images or films, as Spencer called them. One of an apocalyptic future where Earth's environment was devastated and there was mass starvation. As for the other film, 
even under hypnosis, Spencer refused to say. He told Dr. Singleton, I'm not supposed to tell anyone about the other film. It's not for them to know. Spencer has never made a single dollar from the photo. In fact, he donated it to Peter Howe for his collection and for further study. He has no interest of being in the spotlight, which is perhaps why this incredible story and the photo isn't more widely known. Or perhaps the whole thing was some elaborate hoax. But to that I say, to what end? Spencer and Peter Howe remain friends to this day, and Spencer's telling of the story has never wavered in 33 years. And that is the story of the alien of Ilkley Moor. Incredible. Wow. I had never heard of that, nor have I ever seen these pictures, but I'm somewhat blown away, man. It's really, really a strange and very believable story, in in my opinion. Janie, what the hell was that? Yeah. Are you there? I I guess. Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. 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 Hello? Yeah. Yeah. We're good. We're here. Um, Yeah. I just, I don't know. I mean, it's, he lost time, which is one of those, you know, consistent things you hear about people experiencing. Um, I don't know. I think he had a very unexplainable encounter. Yeah, Yeah. it's wild. I mean, part of me sees that this guy could have just been like, I'm going to spin a yarn and build like a, alien dummy and set him out there but i don't know why anyone would really do that and not capitalize on it um this Mm -hmm. story has that you know the echoes of like stories you hear that like outlanders based on where someone enters a fairy circle and loses time and you know there's something very you know, uh, there's something very much otherworldly about this. This feels like a fairy story, a fairy abduction, um, even though it has all the classic elements of a UFO abduction. And frankly, they might be one in the same. Absolutely. I mean, mm-hmm. dude, I am reading right now Passport to Magonia by famed uh, ufologist and astrophysicist Jacques Vallée. And and so many of these cases, I mean, hit all these notes. Somebody sees a strange entity. The next thing they know, there's some there's some light vehicle uh, lifting off into the sky from some marsh beyond. And then it it it's just so so strange. And all you know, what if this creature is real? What if this photograph that he took with his camera and then went and had it developed an hour later? That all sounds really plausible. What if what we're looking at is some real creature? I mean, I'm I'm blown away by the the look of this thing. It's all just so weird. And uh man, that that ball in the sky, I can't tell you how many times I've seen that ball. <laughs> just, uh, <laughs> but no, and, I mean, and not just, a balloon. Yeah. And and to make sure I got the story correct, he didn't remember all of that sequence of seeing Earth from afar until the hit. Exactly. Hit. So right. he yeah. he thought and I I may have left this out and I I apologize, but he thought that the story went, he was walking along, he saw an alien through the fog, he saw the UFO, then he went to the town and realize an hour had been missing but after doing this hypnotic regression and thinking and these dreams that started coming up because which is another often thing is that usually these subconscious or suppressed memories start coming up in dreams Mm -hmm. um that uh he realized that the 
encounter with the alien and seeing the craft took place after his abduction and that that accounted for the 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 daylight that was different he thought he was taking that picture at 9 a.m when really he was or 8 30 in the morning when really he was taking it at about 9 30 in the morning which which would account for how's going well wait a minute if he took this at 9 30 in the morning the light is wrong it's it seems later in the day in the picture so they 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 came to the conclusion that what he that there was he was abducted first mm-hmm. and then he was coming to after the abduction and the alien was walking back to the ship after dropping him back and off. And then he had the presence of mind to take a yep. quick picture to yep. be like something weird just happened to me and I need to Yeah, and he would also kind of account for why the alien was like, No, 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 don't follow me. Don't follow me. Like he's already done with him, <laughs> you know? Right. <laughs> Which wow. is just, it's really creepy. Really creepy and a really cool story and a really cool photo. So everyone should check that out on our And Instagram. that guy, he's still there. He's still alive. Yeah, he's alive. I mean, I I, I think so as of um, in the past year or two. And because uh, this was only 1987 and he's still in touch with that ufologist. And, you know, Peter Howe kind of came to the conclusion, like, I don't know definitively what this is. But um, and he took I believe he took he was analyzed by psychiatrists and everyone believed that he believed the story that he was telling that he didn't he wasn't lying about it. So whatever happened, he believed it actually happened that way. And look, there's a photographic evidence there to help back it up. Yeah, this one's crazy. And dude, that part about the second film is maybe the scariest thing I've ever heard on this show. Yeah, totally. What was the second film? It's a lot. I yeah, know. I know. And it recalls to me like the um the miracles of Fatima and like the images that the girls supposedly saw, you know, were given to them by the Virgin Mary and there was like one of them that the Pope knew that no one wanted to get out to the public cuz it was too intense. Like what yeah. it, you know, it's all although I think in some interpretations that was like all the bad stuff that was happening at the church. But um mm. <laughs> I don't know. It's this one's wild. It's a very cool story. I love this picture. Um, this is the fun thing about discovering stories from other cultures. You realize kind of doing this show that we're so inundated with our own folklore and our own ufology here in the United States that you just get branch out even just across the pond. And there's all there's a wealth of strange stories that that pop yeah. up. Hey, guys, yeah. Neil deGrasse Tyson here. I don't get it. You take a picture of a strange rock and the next thing you know, you're making headlines. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I mean, I mean, am I right or am I right? This Neil, guy, quit, cr- quit crashing our recording this session. This guy is yeah. obviously a liar, and uh, <laughs> either that or a hallucinator. It's one or the other. Nothing Neil deGrasse Tyson, Thanks. ultimate Thanks for- buzzkill. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, any final thoughts on this, Janie? I, I don't know. I'm just, yeah? I, I'm so intrigued by, by it. I want to know how this has impacted his life. Probably not for the better, to be honest with you. I mean, a lot of these people, they they really, and like Michael was saying, they they have nothing to gain, and these are life altering uh, events. And 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 a lot of the times, they leave these they leave these contactees or these witnesses feeling, I don't know, um, not for the best, you know, like like they are crazy or something. Yeah, absolutely. It's not a club. This guy's a retired police officer. Feeling like they're nuts. He's a retired police officer. The last thing he wants is people thinking that he's crazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, totally. Uh, 
All right. Well, Janie, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, like Bigfoot, where can you be found? Well, I can easily be found on Twitter at Janie Haddad and on Instagram at Lebanese Looker. Fantastic. And your podcast again, tell us all about yes. that. Oh, please check out our podcast, Stay Up Homekins. It can be found anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, it's me and my husband, Paul of Tompkins, and uh, we try to make sense of just existence in 2020. <laughs> Perfect. A, yeah, a difficult task. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a it's a delightful show. I look forward to it every Friday evening now uh, because Aww, I feel like I get to you. hang out with a couple of people that I adore. And it's very calm and soothing and relaxing and very funny and very charming. And it's great if you want to make if you're one to uh, indulge in a cocktail uh, or a glass of wine on a Friday evening, uh, I, I highly recommend it. Um, guys, yes, I want to thank all of you. Mock, mocktail. Exactly. Oh. Mocktails are, are, are so also I can have a mocktail. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. I've been doing um, mocktails lately. I've got a great recipe. I should share. Oh, maybe you should put it up on the Instagram. Maybe um, I will. Guys, check us out on Instagram at Bigfoot Collectors Club and also on Twitter at Bigfoot Pod. Do us a favor. Would you go to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review? We'll read what you write, uh, perhaps right here on the podcast. Like this one, somebody posted one since our last episode. This is from Spirit Walker 13 they write, I can't get enough of this podcast. Literally always makes me laugh, but also super informative. Awesome content, too. Um, I'm just unpacking Spirit Walker 13. Okay, this is actually Neil deGrasse Tyson. So he's not a, a complete asshole. Um, uh, so we appreciate that. Um, guys, until next week, I remain Michael McMillan for Bryce Johnson and Riley Bray. Thanks again to Janie Haddad Tompkins. Good night. And go get regressed. Bigfoot Collectors Club is produced by Riley Bray. Our theme song is Come Alone by Sun Eaters, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps get the podcast to more listeners. To support the show, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash Bigfoot Collectors Club and unlock multiple reward episodes every month. In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch involved in a then unheard of secret organization called the Illuminati and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their cases had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible. And if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. 
As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday.